You're listening to the Church of Life and Praise podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, please visit us at churchoflifeandpraise.com or check us out on Facebook. Our prayer is that you would come to know Jesus in a deeper way. Now, enjoy the message. Talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is what you're experiencing here. I want to tell you, when the Holy Ghost is outpoured, and it's outpoured in your life, it's outpoured in anybody's life, you aren't the same. You, there's a change. And there's a change for the good. And it becomes so good that you don't want to go back to the old life you had. Did I say you wouldn't have any more problems? No. I, and that's not, I don't mean that. I mean that you, in your problems, you've got a power that's greater than you are. Amen. A power that comes into your life and it joins with your spirit. Because you know, we're made up of uh, well, three parts. We're body, soul, and spirit. God looks at us as spirit, soul, and body. We look at it as body, soul, and spirit. We look from the fleshly standpoint of view. But when God gets a hold of you, God changes that around. And your spirit becomes enlarged. That's, that's one good time to have your spirit enlarged. Amen? Because it has to accommodate the spirit of Christ. And every one of you that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues, you have the spirit of Christ. You have Christ living in you. Jesus Christ is living in you. It's easy to, it's easy to have. All you got to do is repent, be baptized, filled with the spirit. You're on your way. Amen? It's not really hard serving the Lord. You've got to have a desire. You've got to have a want to. Well, all things, will things come against you? Yes. I mean, the Bible said trouble is born to man. The sparks fly upward. You ever been to a, an ash pile where you thought the flame was all out and you just saw a coal, little, little red ember there or orange embers, you know, under the thing and you take a stick and you hit it? What happens? Sparks fly everywhere. And sometimes you have to step back. Well, that's the way trouble will come to you. But the Bible said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We don't have to fear, we don't have to fear the devil. We don't play around with him. Don't ever play with the devil because you'll always lose. You always says, when devil comes, you send Jesus to the door. Can you say amen? You quote scripture to him. Don't ever bargain with the devil or don't ever, and just say, okay, I'm sending my elder brother. And the elder brother is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a lot bigger, a lot stronger than you are. Can you say amen? He's been through this before. He's met the devil. <laughs> and the devil didn't stand a chance. And he got it all over. He said, told him, he said, he said, I'm paraphrasing. He looked at him. He said, don't you know you're not supposed to tempt the Lord your God? He wasn't talking about some second or third person. He was talking to him. He said, don't you know you're not supposed to tempt me? He told, he told the devil who he was. I love that part. Don't you know you're not supposed to talk? Uh, uh, thou shalt not tempt to love thy God. He told the devil, I'm your God. That's right. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. And the devil hasn't learned yet. One of these days, he's going to stand up in the temple that's going to be built in Jerusalem, declare himself to be God, and God's going to say, okay, that's enough. I've put up with you long enough. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And he's going to come back. Could be sooner than what we think. It says, when you see these things come to pass, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. 
You shouldn't, don't fear all this that's going on. Fear is not about, you've got the Holy Ghost, and it's not the spirit of fear. Paul told Timothy, he said, you didn't get baptized with the Holy Spirit of fear. He said, you got baptized with a spirit of what? Of love and of power and of a sound mind. I mean, the worst thing you can do, and I'm getting off of it, the worst thing you can do is contact COVID-19, die and go to heaven. What's she say? I said, who knows? It could be the best thing that happened. <laughs> Amen. And go to heaven. Amen. So we don't have, see, we don't fear death. We don't fear these things. I don't want it, but I'm not going to sit there and worry about whether I'm going to get it or not. Can you say amen? That's not my message. Uh, now, this is an ongoing series, so I'm, ju- I'm jumping right into the middle of it, so um, but you'll catch on after a while. I've preached up to this, and I'm going to, and I, I, spoke, I spoke this, but I got to uh, preference what I'm going to say today by reading this scripture again so that it will make sense to you. Okay, so Jeremiah 31, uh, 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 31 33. And uh, the time is coming, declares the Lord. Now, I'm reading this having spoken to you about the condition in the Old Testament and all that. And I'm not going to get into that, okay, because I'm not going to uh, go all over that again. But uh, Jeremiah, okay, speaking from the Old Testament, now you've got to understand the people and the common people. The common people in the Old Testament didn't understand the power of God, nor didn't experience it. Can you say amen? They didn't, they, they didn't experience, they couldn't experience. They couldn't get near the, they couldn't, they, they couldn't get into the presence of God. The presence of God was, was held in a box behind a veil. And why did God do that? To be mean? No. Because they weren't ready, Jesus Christ hadn't shed his blood yet, and they weren't ready to, to make connection with God personally like we can. We're privileged. We are a privileged people. And as far as they got, okay, was to the outer court of the tabernacle or the temple. And they saw the glory cloud on top of the temple and on top of the tabernacle. And that's about all they had of the glory of God. The uh, the prophets had their Holy Spirit fall on them at times. Okay. The kings had to go to the prophets. They, They couldn't experience the presence of God. And Jesus came. And this is what Jeremiah is talking about. He's prophesying to uh, the Israelites. Um, It says, the time is coming. He's prophesying in the Old Testament. Declares the law. He's saying this is what the Lord is saying. When I will make a new covenant for the house of Israel. And with the house of Judah. At that time, the nation had been divided. It had a civil war. They divided. They were divided uh, into into Judah and to Israel. He says so, but he said, "I'm going to pour out my spirit on on Judah and on Israel." Thirty two. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers <clears throat> when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel, declares the Lord. I will put my law. Now hear this, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. 
their spirit, their inward parts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Now we go over to Hebrews. Let's turn to Hebrews. Hebrews 10, starting with 9, 9b. He says here, now the apostle uh, is writing here. They say that the writer of, of Hebrews was probably Paul. It says, he cancels the first covenant, the one that we've been talking about, in order to put the second into effect. For God, God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice, here it is, of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all. Remember when uh, John was talking to his disciples, John the Baptist, and he pointed to Jesus, uh, and by the way, they were cousins, he pointed to Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He was talking about the coming of the new covenant. He was talking about the last and final sacrifice. All the other sacrifices didn't work because the blood wasn't pure. The blood of bulls and goats and animals can't, can't free you from sin. Can't take your sin away. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross. He became the, fine, the last and final sacrifice. It says once and for all time. I'm reading from the NLT, by the way. Uh, number 11, under the old covenant... The priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But 12, but he says, but our high priest, who is Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, for good for all times or for once and for all. That's it. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. That's you and us. Are you and I? And we're being constantly, we're being made holy. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we've been reconciled. By baptism in the water in the wonderful, lovely name of Jesus, we've been justified. Every sin has been, been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. And by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, we've been sanctified or regenerated. We've been set apart and the Holy Spirit continually causes us to walk in holiness. Amen. What a provision, saints. You can't serve God. You can't live for God. Of course we can. But I got to have a want to. When I have a want to, all the provision is there. How much do I want to serve God? How much do I want to get rid of my sins? How much do I want to be saved? How much do I want to go to heaven? See, it's not all on God. There's some things that I have to do. Amen. Here it is. For by one offering, he forever made perfect those who were being made holy. What was that offering? He died on the cross. You see, Jesus had to come... Jesus had to be born a virgin Mary, a, a, a virgin, uh, I mean, from a virgin, okay? And because, uh, and, and, and Mary could not have had any kind of relationship with a man because if Jesus was conceived from the natural means of conception, then he wouldn't have been holy. So Jesus had to be born of a virgin, who, um, a lady who had never, a young lady who had never known, uh, known a man. 
And that blood that flowed through Jesus' veins, okay, was not human blood. It was blood, but it was divine blood. It was holy blood. And therefore, it was called precious blood. It was precious blood because it was the only blood that could save our souls because the life of the flesh is in the blood. And the life and his life, his blood had to be shed to redeem the blood of humanity that was under a curse. And through the blood of Jesus, okay, we were made perfect, those who were being made holy. In other words, through the, through the cross, you can't have anything without the cross. They can throw the cross out the window. They can topple it down from the, from the uh, steeples like they're doing in China and want to do here. They can do all that stupid stuff, but they cannot nullify the cross, cannot take away the power of the cross. I don't have to have a cross on top of my church to have the power of the cross. The cross is one of my, 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 my favorite symbols of the Christian, of the, of the Christian faith. I love the cross. In fact, I, I've got one hanging right around my neck. Not as a talisman, but I just like the cross and I just like to have it close. Amen. Because every time I look at it, it reminds me of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that took away my sins. Can you say amen? He took my place at Calvary. I don't have to go to Calvary. I don't have to bring another uh, lamb. I don't have to bring another goat. I don't have to bring anything else. I just come to Jesus in total repentance. And let me tell you something. He frees me for sin, fills me with his spirit, comes and lives inside of me. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why are you talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and all of this uh, kind of just going on? Because this is what this we need in this hour. And if the church will come alive in the power of the Holy Ghost, we can withstand and rout the enemy. It's not going to come by politics. It's going to come by the power of God. But I still tell you, get out and vote. Do your duty. Can you say amen? And let me, let me just throw this, as, as, let me throw this in. Don't be lax in this. Get out there. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm conservative. You know the way I'd like to have you vote. I didn't tell you how to vote. I told you how I'd like to have you vote. Amen. All right. If you come and take the tax exemption, so what? God will provide the money. I don't worry about all that stuff. Can you say amen? Praise God. Uh, Fifteen. And the Holy Spirit, and I know this is going out over the thing, so I don't care. Someone may get it and try to close us down. I don't care. Praise God. We'll worship on the steps. We, they, get, they see us enough dancing and shouting and, and screaming and hollering and dancing and everything else. They'll say, please go inside. <laughs> worship all you want. Can you say amen? Amen. The 15th verse. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is the, this is so. When you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it testifies to the effectiveness of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. In other words, it's the Holy Ghost putting the finishing touches on your salvation. Completing it. Well, do I need the Holy Ghost to go to, go to heaven? Yes, you do. Do I need the, you just as much as you need the blood, just as much as you need the power of his name, just as much you, you, you need it all to go to heaven. I need to what? That's part of my righteousness. You mean if I don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I can't go to heaven? I didn't say that. I said you need it. We're not going to go there. Because this is the, this is the Bible right here. And it's not that hard to get it. Am I dogmatic? 
The gospel's dogmatic. So I'm preaching the gospel. So what's wrong with being dogmatic? Dear God, have we, are we witnessing in the world today dogmatic? I'll just let that sing. Are we seeing that? Then why are we afraid to preach the gospel dogmatically? Why are we afraid to be labeled with those things? Because I'm dogmatic about the, the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Because I'm dogmatic about the bad. It's done something for me. Why wouldn't I be dogmatic? Why not? Is that a bad word? I am because I know what I was and what I am today. I know God changed me. God saved me. God filled me with the power of His Holy Spirit. I don't want, I'm dogmatic about it. If you haven't got it, you gotta get it. Why? Because it's done something for you, me, and I want it to do for you. That's why we go out and try to win souls. We're dogmatic about this thing. Well, we got, can't be dog. Yeah, we can. Do you want us to be any otherwise? Go up to a, an unsaved person that doesn't know Jesus Christ, that's underprivileged because he doesn't know Jesus Christ, and he's living in sin. He's addicted to this, and he's addicted to that. Say, well, you know, um, uh, well, um, I'd like to tell you something, but I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. And I, I don't want to, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm so, uh, you know, well, you know, I, I don't want to be dogmatic about this. Well, don't talk to him then, because you're not going to convince him or her about a thing. When you walk up to a person and you're just filled with the love of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ has changed your heart and your life, you are just going to bleh. And it's all going to come out. In your dogmatic, ask God to give you tact, to take your dogma <laughs> and give it to him. Can you say amen? All right. That's a bunny trail. But anyway, uh, it's getting a point across. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, it is declaring, okay, to you that what you've done, your repentance and all of that stuff is valid. In other words, God putting his sanction on it and putting his blessing This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day. What day? The day of Pentecost, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts or inner parts, in their spirits, and write them on their minds. You see, the old covenant, the new covenant was necessary because the old covenant was inadequate. It was good for what it, for its purpose, but it had, it had served its purpose, and Jesus had to come. The old covenant had been written on stone, external. Jeremiah prophesied that the new covenant would be written in the heart. That's internal of God's people. The new covenant would be accompanied by sufficient power. The old covenant had no power. It had a bunch of laws. And that power is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And grace, that means unmerited favor for all people to live righteously. So it came with power and grace. 
When he poured out the Holy Spirit on you, he poured his favor out on you. And when you spoke in tongues, you identified with Jesus Christ and because he said, you are mine. Now, Jesus reiterated uh, this when speaking with the disciples before his death. Let's turn to John 14, 16 and 20. I'm going to try to get you out at 1230. I got 10 minutes. It's so hard to cut down on a long-winded preacher. Pastor Rick Stoops got up at the end of the funeral down there, and he says, I'm going to, what did he say? I'm going to, I don't know what he said. He's, well, in other words, he says, I'm going to be quick about this. And uh, he, saw, he said he'd be the shortest man. And I knew he was lying. <laughs> Amen. And I'm sitting there thinking think he can't do it. And he didn't. Praise God. It was shorter than probably what he would have done. But by the way, it was good. It was the message was very good what he said. And it was supposed to be an obituary, but it was. It was, a, it was in a way, it was an obituary of uh, Pastor uh, Ned's faithfulness. John 14, 16 and 20 says, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. This is before he uh, was um, crucified. And he was talking to his disciples. Just before that in 14, Philip said, show me the father. And Jesus said, Are you, uh, you're looking at him. Have you been so long a time with me that you haven't seen the Father? And when you look at Jesus, you see God with skin on. Anyway, uh, 16th. And I will pray the Father and he will give you a, another helper, comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And that helper there is, means one just like him. All right? That he may abide with you forever. And the, the King James Version says, even the spirit of truth. Now, if you go to that same chapter, the sixth verse, you'll find that Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. So Jesus was saying here, the truth is standing here. I'm going to give you my spirit. There's only one spirit. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. I mean, the world can't receive this unless they come to repentance and receive Christ as their Savior. But you know him. What? For he dwells with you. Yes. I'm standing here with you. Right. And will, and the King James Version says, shall be in you. And he clarifies this by saying, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's talking about the comforter. He's talking about his spirit. There's only one spirit, the spirit of God. And Jesus is God. Yes. And the only one that can change us is the power of God's spirit coming and connecting with my spirit. My spirit was made for his, for the dwelling of God. It was not made for anything else. When Adam and Eve sinned, the spirit went dormant. And that's why when you walked in sin, you always felt something was missing. What was it? It was your spirit crying out for the companionship of God's spirit. 
And when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you were revived, you received, and you came back into relationship with God once again, and thus we have the joy of the Holy Spirit, which is Christ in you. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more because of his death. But you will see me because I live. His death and ascension. But you're going to see me. I'm going to die, go into the grave, come out again, and I'm going to ascend. The world's not going to see me again physically. But you're going to see me. Because I live. That's talking about the resurrection. You shall, and you shall live also. That's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because I live, you're going to live. How are you going to live? At that day, the 20th verse, on the day of Pentecost, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now, isn't that plain enough? Who's dwelling in you? Jesus, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, all one. And when you walk around, you are walking around as vessels of Christ, vessels of God, vessels of the Holy Spirit. One Spirit, one God, one faith, one baptism. Is that dogmatic? Sure, it's dogmatic, but it's truth. Truth is always dogmatic. Are we being hateful and biased for preaching now? Of course not. We're preaching the gospel. People. You're alive to the presence of the Holy Spirit who is God. Jesus said, I'm dwelling with you. The disciples were bumbling failures before Pentecost. Peter talked too much. John and, and, and who was it? Andrew, I think, were called the sons of thunder. There was always arguing. Always want to call, they're all, the spirit, always want to call some spirit down on somebody. I think it was John, one of them, when, when, when they wouldn't, they, when they wouldn't let uh, Jesus have lodging and the disciples have lodging in Samaria and said, hey, hey, God, you, you want to call fire down on them? Jesus looked at him and said, you don't know what spirit you're all. I mean, they were a bunch. And that's the ones that he let found our church. Ooh, that was scary. I mean, he left. And his job was un, 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 not, not complete. He hadn't poured out his spirit. But on the day of Pentecost, those disciples were turned around. By the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We want to change this thing around in our, in, in our time? Do we want to change the nature of our nation? Do we want to get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and go out under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and forget about all this stuff and kindness that's going on and preach Jesus Christ? You get enough people healed, you get enough people saved, you're going to have, they're going to flock. They, they won't care whether it's distance separation or what it is. 
Anyway, that you'll know I'm you, and kingdom of God, and, and them. See, under the old covenant, the common person could not enter the tabernacle of the temple. I want, don't want to go there. I want to go down here. It says, when Jesus offered the final sacrifice, the curtain in the temple was torn open, symbolizing the coming of the Holy Spirit. Before the Holy Spirit was crying, God was confined in a cloud, in a temple, in a tabernacle. But on the day of Pentecost, do you understand what happened on the day of Pentecost? A roaring, and it was said that it was like a tornado that tore into that upper room. That's what, the, that's what the power of God sounded like. Now, why could the disciples receive it and the Old Testament saints couldn't because of the blood? The blood made the difference. Before the Old Testament saints had not been covered by the blood. They only rolled their sins ahead every year, every year, every year. But on the day of Pentecost, when it was, Holy Spirit was outpoured and they were infused with the power of God. Can you say amen? They could walk in power and in strength because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, what happened, the Holy Spirit empowered the work of the blood. Amen. And it didn't nullify the blood, but it co-joined and made and empowered it to become effective in us in an even a greater measure. Can you say amen? Praise God. There's power in the blood. That blood, without the cross, we might as well forget it. And the Holy Spirit confirmed the cross. Confirmed the work of the blood. And let me tell you, what happened in the upper room? What happened in the upper room? The wind came in, like I said. And then what happened? Enfolding in that cloud was the fire. And as it got closer to the disciples, what did the fire do? Split up. And tongues of fire sat upon each one of them. And each one of us became the temple of the Holy Spirit. It was no longer behind the veil. And when Jesus died on the cross, that's why the veil was split from top to bottom. And it was torn open. And the Holy Spirit of God rushed out into the world and was and made access. I can now literally look on Jesus Christ, uh, on, the, on the Lord. I can now ex experientially have Christ's anointing. I can see Jesus. I can see God. I can have revelation. I can have the thoughts of God. I can have the manifestations of of the power of God in my life. It can move in me. Are you? Not that we're little gods. But we've been sanctified. And set apart. We've been justified. And the Holy Spirit now can come and live in us. And flow out through us. And we become the temple. Why? 
Why don't the tongues of fire come when we receive the baptism of the Holy Doesn't need to. The tongues of fire had it had it had it had its had its had it, had its uh, purpose. Because that was showing them that the fire that was at the tabernacle in the temple now rests on them. But not only did it rest on them, when they spoke with other tongues, it says, and it filled them, and they spoke supernaturally another tongue, showing them that the Holy Spirit became resident in them. Now God is in His temple. I'll get to that a little later. Can you say amen? i got to quit. Now I just want to say this. Boo. Okay, I'll stop here. Because if I say that what I'm going to say next, next time I speak, it will not make sense to you. Okay? And uh, so understand that those of you that have the whole baptism of the Holy Spirit are filled with God Almighty on a limited sense. Jesus had God in the fullness. He was the fullness of God. But because of our, let me tell you this, because of our fleshly body, we cannot have God in all of His fullness. Why? Because it would consume us. But, at the resurrection, listen to me, at the resurrection, I think it's in 1 John, John said, I think it was John, said, we shall see Jesus as He is, and we shall be like Him. For this mortal will put on immortality, and what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit in us is going to come out, and it's going to fill, not, uh, right now we're filled with blood, but all our veins in that new body, if we've got veins in the new body, is going to be filled with the glory of God and the glory is going to emanate from us. And I believe, the Bible said there'll be no need for the sun in heaven and in, in, in the end. I believe that it's going to be the church that is going to be so, that the effervescence of the Holy Spirit that's going to flow from us will light the whole of heaven joining in with God. Read it in Revelation. No night there. Talk about what you've got coming, saints. Talk about who you are. I told someone, I said, I don't know who it was. I said, you know what? I said, we have just tapped the glory of God. If we would just let go of our foolish pride and, and our timidity and our fear and say, God, take me over. Have you ever been in a service where the power of God was moving so strong that, that, and it was just, it just, that power just generates power. I've seen the glory dust fall. I've seen rain fall. I've had it fall. I mean, and not, not because my goodness is because the praises of God and the glory of God was so strong in the place that it, the Holy Spirit just keeps regenerating itself until it becomes so strong that people are instantly healed. One service, they had testimony service like we had and, and, and uh, like we had today, and they went up there, and I think, I mean, the testimonies that was happening while we were praising the Lord, I mean, th things like people's uh, spines were getting healed. And, I mean, it was just, it was just powerful. The place was packed. I don't know how many was there. It was thousands of people. And I'm, I, I'm worshiping the Lord. I mean, the power of God was so strong that I was going down to my knees and I'm still feeling the presence of God. And I kept saying, God, I, I can't take anymore. And this is what I was telling God. I can't take anymore. I can't take anymore. And he lifted it. 
And then I was upset because I couldn't have more. (laughs) But it was that way everywhere. I mean, it was all over the place. That's why it's so important to worship and praise the Lord. That generates power. I want to tell you something. The power of God, we just don't understand the power of God. You see, people look on us and think we're just, it's just plain emotion. No, it's our reaction to God's glory. And what happens? We feel good and so we jump, so we shout, we dance. And there's nothing wrong in that. Every church can have it. Every denomination can have it. Wouldn't it be wonderful? It would happen in the whole, every church here in the city. My good Lord Ellsworth would know what hit him. I walked into an Episcopalian church right here in this area. Walked into the Episcopalian church and they was having a healing service. And I walked into that place. Had all the signs of, of, of that denomination. But when I walked in and I looked around, I thought, my Lord, this looks, feels like a Pentecostal church to me. They was worshiping, they was shouting, they were praising God. And I'm thinking, my Lord, it's nothing like that denomination that I know. See, once, once happened, the denomination is thrown out the window and the Spirit of God begins to move. Don't let us think that we've got a corner on it. And if God wants to pour it out on anybody in this, any, any, any other, let it happen. I don't care. It'll be, it will be joined, it'll be a, a, a lesser fight for us to fight the enemy. Amen. Praise God. God is good, isn't he? All the time. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, let's stand. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask you all just let's just come down. And, you can spread out across here if you want to. And let's all just come down. Just close up, just worshiping God. We're going to let you go. We're not going to hold you. And, and, but first of all, before we move, I just feel to do this. Oh, let, me, let me say this. While we're here standing, you can come. While here we're here standing, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, while we're worshiping, let's all just come down, gather in. I mean, if you want to remain social distance, you can. Uh, but uh, uh, if you're here, and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come in your heart. It's easy. While we're worshiping, you just bow your head and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. We have to acknowledge that. I want to give my life to you. I felt the presence of God today. Maybe not fully understood it, but I felt it. And I want what I felt. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. I want to be your child. Or all you've got to say is, Jesus, I want to be your child. I want to be born again. Forgive me. God comes and forgives you of your sins. And he'll take you on a journey that you will never forget. You can walk in the fullness of what I'm talking about. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. You can reach out and be buried in His wonderful name. Filled with His Holy Spirit. Speaking with other tongues. 
and feeling the joy of the Holy Ghost. All you got to do is just tell Him. And then after you get through, tell someone, say, I just gave my heart to Jesus. And talk to them. And they'll begin to instruct you what you should do to even have greater experience with God. You see, repentance is just the beginning. It's not the completion. Repentance takes you out of the world. Repentance covers you with His blood. Repentance ministers to you. Because it's you, all repentance is confessing. Saying, I'm a sinner. And God begins to come in and hears your cry and begins to work in your life and begins to lead you deeper and deeper and deeper into the things of God. Amen? Praise God. There's more to it than repentance. But it's a step at a time. And you're always stepping. From repentance on, you're always stepping closer, stepping closer. And you're always walking closer and getting closer and getting closer to God. Once you make that first step, it never stops. That's called sanctification. God, what does sanctification mean? It means setting your apart. For a holy use. You're a vessel. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. And then you go on to greater things. Water baptism in the wonderful name of Jesus takes away all those sins, pushes them back, never more to be remembered. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Dear God, what a walk. Amen. Have you ever been sorry, glory, that you accepted Christ? Never. How about you? Jesus reigns. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. And that, and that handsome man beside you, have you ever been sorry? No. How about you, old man, 81 years old? Never been sorry. Amen. It's wonderful. Have you ever had hard times, Cheryl? Amen. But what's happened? He's been there, hasn't he? He's never failed you. Amen. Isn't it awesome? It's awesome. Lift your hands up and love him. So if you're here, just, just talk to the Lord. Tell him you want to be one of his children. You want to serve him. You want his blood to cover your, your heart and your life. You want him to forgive you of your sins. All you got to do is just say that. And it's so easy. And you just walk into the kingdom of God. Think of it. Thank you, Jesus. Just love him.